because it needs recording. Oh, I'm right. Hi. Hi. And welcome to... <laughs> Just you do it. You're better at it than I am. Were you trying to channel like your know. inner... I don't know. Hunger Games announcer? I, it's, it's a problem I have. I like feel like I have to try something new all the time and, and I don't even like trying new things. So you just... Go on. Just say hello. Hey, everybody. I only I only do it different because I'm a fucking weirdo. Like, well, don't feel pressured to be different. Uh, no, I just consistency is key. <laughs> People don't like it when we change things too much. All right, it's an affront to the comfort of the stability that we provide. Okay, well then here we go. Hey, everybody. Hi. Hi. That, I literally uh, just pulled that out of my ass, by the way. <laughs> Did you like that verbiage? I have never said anything like that in my life. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> an affront to the stability. An affront to the stability. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I like I zoned out and I'm like, let's just fucking go. <laughs> Hello, okay. our little alti eyes. Oh, alti eyes. I, I don't know if I like that. Our little altsters. Uh, they don't have nicknames. Oh, okay. They're they're nice, good humans, and we're and we're just happy they're here. <laughs> yes. Okay. You have a little update for us, or a little story, a little local. I do, and you know, there's literally no way for me to explain this other than to just read the Facebook post. Please do. So listen, because it's kind of a roller coaster ride, and this was posted by the Kent Police Department. Okay. This is Kent, Washington. I know we have a lot of Pacific Northwest listeners. Me saying this is from Kent probably tells all of them exactly what's going on here. So, um, yeah, this is what's going on. Okay. Uh, Kent, Washington, on February 14th, 2022, at about 3.15 p.m., a Kent police officer was dispatched to take a telephone report regarding a potential missing person. The police officer spoke with the reporting party, who stated that her severely disabled adult sister had not been seen since earlier in the month. Okay. The officer coordinated an investigation and discovered that the severely disabled sister was last seen on February 5th when her mother, a 45-year-old Kent resident, parked her vehicle at a gas station in Kent and walked off, leaving her daughter inside the car. So to summarize, that was one paragraph. To summarize, uh, a woman reported her disabled adult sister missing on for the 14th. They determined that she had not been seen since the 5th. So it's been nine days. Oh. Kent police officers determined through an investigation that the vehicle had been privately towed at the request of the gas station personnel to a lot in Burien, which is a city um, about 20, 30 minutes outside of Kent. Kent officers contacted the tow company, who then located the daughter inside the vehicle. She had been inside the car for nine days alone in the tow yard during near freezing weather. Oh, my gosh. Kent officers immediately requested medical aid. King County Sheriff's deputies and King County Fire responded to the tow yard, located the disabled daughter in serious medical condition, she was transported to a local hospital to receive treatment. Oh, no. That's horrible. That I know of. I think she's doing okay. This came out on the 22nd. Um, but nine days. That is a long time. This poor woman 
was in a go- first off what the fuck is the tow company doing that they didn't notice a whole exactly. last human in that car and it's not like she can do anything about it or like yeah. help herself how come nobody did anyone yeah that ugh. someone's getting fired for sure yeah, someone's getting fired uh, that mother mm-hmm. who ditched her disabled daughter oh, yeah. should go to jail yeah yeah oofta well yeah i just thought that was insane uh, and that was just on their Facebook page. And that's like a nice little appetizer to this dish I'm going to serve up for you. Yeah, I just, I kind of thought that, man, that was kind of a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. This one, this, what I have for you is also a lot in <laughs> okay. in a different way. Um, You know, I'm not big on the trigger warnings, but I will give a trigger warning for there are children involved, although they aren't killed, if that makes sense. It probably will later. Okay. Okay. Um, I would also like to say before we begin to all, any and all of our Russian listeners, uh, I don't know if anybody knows this, but I do not speak Russian. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> I know a lot of you were like, wow, she's so worldly because of all of the accents she's able to do. Yeah, I know. But I don't know Russian. Um, So if I butcher any of this, my apologies ahead of time. Um, And with that, I have a story to to tell you. Well, I'm excited to hear. Well, buckle up because this one is bananas. So here we go. I'm going to tell you about Anatoly Moskvin. Have you heard of him? It sounds familiar. It's going to sound even more familiar at the end, but I'm going to tell you about him anyways. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. Anatoly was born in September of 1966 in a large city in Russia called Nizhny Novgorod. You're welcome. That was amazing, by the way. That's pretty good. I I practiced that for a while, and that was amazing. As a schoolboy, Anatoly was fond of wandering around cemeteries with his friends. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. That was, there was no real way to lead into that. There wasn't. There wasn't. And I wrote this several different times, but, you know. You know what? (laughs) We're not even going to bury the lead. He He liked hanging out in cemeteries. And if it sounds like I'm stalling on a lot of these, it's only because I am really trying hard to pronounce the names of these places and people correctly. So so my apologies if I sound slow today, slower than any other day. But yes, as a schoolboy, he loved wandering around cemeteries with his friends, as most of us do. I mean, I don't know what there is to do in Russia, but maybe that's one of the all-time favorite hits. Uh, one of their favorite cemeteries that they liked to visit was... <laughs> I like that there are so many cemeteries that they went to that there was a favorite. <laughs> there was a favorite, and it was called uh, the Krasnaya Etna Cemetery, and this cemetery was in Len Izninsky district of Nezhny Novogorod. How am I doing? 
You're doing all right. Good. When he was a child, actually, he remembers witnessing a funeral procession for an 11-year-old girl in town. And in his, oh. his words, he said he was a, quote, unwilling witness and participant in the magical ceremony. Now, I want you to remember that this man describes this as magical. Okay? That's not the part that I was focused on. Like, the magical kind of got me, but... An unwilling witness, okay, I get uh-huh. it. You're in the cemetery, you're walking through, having a jolly time, whatever the hell you're doing in the cemetery as a kid. Uh-huh. And you see a funeral, like, okay, you're an unwilling witness. Yes. Unwilling participant. Oh, would you like to know how he became a participant? Sure. I'm going to tell you. Apparently, he was forced to kiss the dead girl's face by the other participants in the procession. What? Yeah. So I'm assuming this was like an open casket and viewing. And what he says is that he remembers an adult pushed his head down towards the deceased 11 year old's face. And he was, he remembers feeling her waxy forehead that was kind of like slightly covered by an embroidered cap. Um, And he said in his words, there was nothing I could do but kiss her as ordered. And have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? No. Oh, you haven't? Well, anytime no. a core memory is made for the person in the movie, it goes bing. And then this little marble, beautiful little glowing marble drops. Well, I think when Anatoly kissed this girl or was forced to kiss this girl's forehead uh, during the funeral, I think bing, an important core memory for young Anatoly was made. Well, yeah, he called it magical. It was. And you are going to see just how impactful this this memory was for him. I'm concerned, but all right. Oh, be very concerned. Be very concerned. So as he grew up and developed, he, for the most part, was a very normal boy. He grew up as a very normal young adult, I guess guess you could say what I'm about to tell you is normal. But by all accounts, he was just Anatoly, this guy, who also happened to be very smart, which took him very far in his expansive academic career, which I'm going to lay out for you right now. I want to say right now, though, and I don't know a lot about a lot of things, spoiler alert, everybody. However, I think and you might agree with me after I tell you all of this, I think Anatoly, among other issues he had, I kind of, he sounds a little spectrum-y to me, but, but we'll let you be the judge of that. Just like I judged this man that I don't even know. Here we go. So he studied and graduated from Moscow State University from the philological faculty, which is basically saying that he graduated with a degree in the study of language in oral and written historical sources. So he knew a lot of languages. I'm going to tell you again later, but this guy knew 13 different languages. Wow. Russian being among one of them, obviously. Apparently, he was really good at this, and he was known in several academic circles. His main interests were Celtic history and folklore. 
And like I just told you, he knew 13 different langu- languages. So he did study linguistics. And um, by the time he graduated college, that like when he grew up, he knew English and he knew Russian a little bit. But in college, that's when he studied all of these other languages in addition to all the other stuff he was doing in college. Um, he sounds really interesting. He, he, You know what? He is interesting with the side of, uh, of wackadoo, obviously. Okay. But like all the really interesting people are kind of messed up a little oh, bit. Like definitely. look at you and me. Yeah. But <laughs> I wouldn't call myself interesting. I would call myself messed up. Not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Uh, to be completely honest, I love me a Russian. Like oh, I love I, me I like, a Russian. <laughs> I like Russians. I, um, well, you would probably like him until you. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like until you get to know him. Like let me meet Anatoly <laughs> when when he was in college, and maybe, maybe let's start something. Maybe I don't know. Let let's. Why don't you hear a little <laughs> bit more about him, and then and then we'll we'll come back to that. We'll see if uh, if we made a love connection there. You're fond of love stories. I am. So like sell me on this guy. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna try. Um. So like I said, thirteen different languages by the time he graduated college. His other interests um were, I guess mm, you could call these other interests alternative interests. <laughs> You're, you were dying to put that in there since we slipped it in a few weeks ago. I do. And then you know what I have right here in my notes? What? Cue Crystal's silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you know me too well. Uh, his childhood habit of walking around cemeteries never really left. Cemeteries burial rituals, death, and occults was something he studied on the side, in addition to all of these other academics that he was doing. He would read anything he could get his hands on about the matter. He had a personal library of over, get ready, 60,000 books and documents that covered these interests. Holy shit. He also had a very large doll collection, which we will touch back on later. After he graduated, he worked at the Institute of Foreign Languages, and he was a lecturer in the Celtic Studies at Nizgi Not. See, and I knew. See, I knew if I didn't put the pronunciation there, I wouldn't get the Nizhny Nizhny Novgorod. Novgorod. I'm just going to call it Nizhny uh, Linguistic University. So he was a lecturer there. He also wrote several books papers and translations um, that would become very well known in like his academic circles um, of linguistics and philology. Um, Occasionally he would write articles for the local newspaper and other publications that showcased his knowledge of the local cemeteries around the region and their histories. And he called himself, he was like a self-proclaimed necropolist. So someone who studies death or history of death, basically. So all who knew him in his academic circles described him as a genius with a bit of an eccentric streak. Uh, I'm I'm getting that. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Well, and you know what? His personal life was a little more subdued than his like exciting academic like you know, popularity. Um, when he wasn't working or studying, um, Anatoly liked to mostly just, 
be by himself. He was not interested in dating. He never got married. And he lived with his parents for a very, very long time, up until, again, spoiler alert, his arrest. Um, He did not, he had no interest in smoking, no interest in drinking, and he is reported to still be a virgin. So I don't know if he was saving himself for you, Crystal, or what, but uh, but our friend, Anatoly, he was, uh, he was, you know... I feel like the women of his generation just did not <laughs> respect a good meaty brain. Oh, seriously, because this guy honestly seems like a catch. <laughs> <laughs> like, where's your Tinder profile? Because I am swiping left, right, up and down. Like, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so in 2005... Anatoly was asked to do some work for this guy named Olge Rybov. And Olge Rybov was a fellow publisher. Rybov wanted Anatoly to write a, write about and list the dead in more than the 700 cemeteries in the 40 regions of Nizhny. What? Yeah. Like he wanted him to go through and like yeah. make a, a list of the dead? Yeah. He's like, hey, Anatoly, can you uh go to all of these cemeteries, write down every single person that's in these cemeteries and also tell me the history about them? And you, I feel like Anatoly could expedite some of, like, not expedite, but like delegate some of this, like find himself a, a kid to write down uh, all the names. No. Anatoly was like, sign me up and I will also do this for very, very little money. Now, remember, this is like right up his alley. This is what he loves. So he was like, it is, but like you should get paid good money to do what you love. Uh, not this guy. I mean, I mean, let's, let's remember, shall we? I guess the thrill of being around the dead is good enough for Uh, him, but like, I like money. Yes. So uh, remember, this Nizhny Novgorod Oblast, this is the fifth largest city in Russia. It is about 178 square miles with a population of 1.2 million. And so you think about the living population of 1.2 million. <laughs> yeah. How many dead are in this city? Yeah. I mean, how could Anatoly say no to this offer? So he actually started this job on July 18th, 2005, and it took him three years to complete. Now, he used, and, okay, again, this was 2005. There were There was technology available then, right? some yeah okay he did this all with a notebook and a pencil and he inspected in the end 752 cemeteries across the region oh my god through 35 districts and he did it all on foot he has got to have like the best calves okay all on foot. And the reason he did most of this on foot was because, yeah, there's buses and trains and whatever. But a lo- he was like, he had a map. He had 
all the cemeteries mapped out. And some of these cemeteries, because this is Russia, right? I've never been to Russia, but uh, all I know about Russia is what I've seen on Masha and the Bear on Netflix, which is a really great show. Anyways, I, I picture a lot of rural, like woody areas and this is where it kind of this region is so a lot of the buses especially during i mean the weather we're not talking about this isn't cancun right this is like hard winters rainy right so and snow obviously so a lot of these places that he was going to some of these rural cemeteries it wasn't transportation friendly and he was happy to walk on foot most so did he like pack himself like a backpack and just like live off the land for three years or that is exactly what he did Ooh, maybe really? maybe we do have a love connection you kind of know Anatoly and you don't even know him <laughs> oh crystal we should get his number in a second maybe i should write to him <laughs> is he still alive he is but you're gonna be sad about what i have to tell you at the end okay. um <laughs> Because I think someone beat you to it, sadly. Oh, uh, dang. I know. I know. These just. Long distance never works anyway. <laughs> no. Um, he was actually walking up to 18.6 miles a day. Oh, my God. Often sleeping in cemeteries overnight, which, by the way, he did not mind. And No, of course not. No, uh-uh. And since visiting these cemeteries was out of the question during the harsh Russian winters, Anatoly accomplished all of this during April uh, through December during those years that he did this. And in his words, he started as soon as the snow melted and as the soon as the, as the snow started to pile up, he would stop. So that he, so really he only did this for eight months out of the year for three years. Yes. He got this done in two years. Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That is insane. Like it he is. must've been walking around those cemeteries with like a fucking candle on a oh, stick yeah. or something because it, he's a paper and pencil kind of guy he's not using a flashlight no uh-uh the, but this shows you his dedication again for like zero money sometimes he was stopped and questioned by the police and watchmen uh -huh. who looked over the cemeteries because duh here's this guy that basically i just imagined him going up to a gravestone sitting down writing it down like doing all of his notes, then going to the next one, the next one, the next one. But he would just show his academic credentials and let them know what he was doing there. And then they would just let him go on his merry way. Mm -hmm. um, he would go to one cemetery and then stay in the local village, kind of asking about things and researching for about two or three days. Um, he would take very detailed notes on each gravesite and then research the history of each person buried there. Since, you know, he doesn't have a lot of money because he's just this gravesite researcher. Uh, you know what he is? Huh? He's a crunchy person. He is a crunchy person. <laughs> because he eats granola. <laughs> just, that he's, he's not... He seems very simple. Like I, I, he doesn't he is... need a lot in the world. He needs he needs a a field full of dead bodies for him to research. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's really all he needs. I mean, you very quickly glossed over some dolls earlier <laughs> that I'm really concerned about, but Oh, and you should be concerned and I will get there. Okay. So, um his sleeping arrangements when he was doing all of this research um included abandoned barns and porches and the occasional haystack or pile of sawdust. You're right, Crystal, he is simple. He doesn't need much. <laughs> 
Can I stay here? Pile of sawdust? Thank you. That would be just fine. Could you imagine that getting into like your clothes, the sawdust or even the the hay? I mean, no, thank you. He is a learned man, and I'm pretty sure he knows how to tuck his clothes just right. So, like, you tuck your trousers into your socks. You tuck your shirt yeah, into your trousers. Probably. And and you make sure that, like, your, your sleeves are buttoned. You're fine. Yeah. And then on my way to the next gravestone. <laughs> um, one night, he actually scored an opportunity when he slept in an empty coffin that was being prepared for a funeral the next day. So Fucking score, dude. Pretty dedicated, my friend. Um, at times when he was thirsty and didn't have water, I mean, he would do the obvious things we all would do, which is drink from mud puddles. Uh, as he walked between... Villages was. I know we're talking about Russia, but like, was the life straw a thing in 2005? Um, I'm gonna say no, and I'm going to say I wish it was just for his sake because I mean, let me look that up real quick. Life straw rolled out in 2005. You know, I bet that somebody who was hiking along the roads in Russia saw this poor man drinking from a mud puddle and went, you know what he needs. He's like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get on a totally a life straw. That's what I'm. And then they offered him one and he said, no, thanks. I need my fiber. (laughs) Well, I'm going to show you just how dedicated he was to this, because not only did he have time to do all this research through the years and between the seasons, but as he walked between villages, our friend would read books. That's right. He was also a multitasker with one bag over his shoulder. He said sometimes these rural roads got a little boring, so he would just hold out a book out in front of him and read as he walked. <laughs> Can you imagine driving down the road and seeing this yeah, nut job with a book? And you pull over and you're like, hey, do you need to go anywhere? And he's like, no, I got a book. Yeah. No, I, I can't. I mean, this was this guy's life. Like, this is what he did. And he was happy about it. He sounds happy. Like he had, this guy had no complaints. And when he wasn't processing notes from his visits in those cemeteries, he was working on his book that he wrote and finished about Islam and a toponymic dictionary. I meant to look that up. What is it? What is that? Let me look that up. Hold on. The meaning of toponymic is of or relating to toponyms which means the names of places so he just was writing a dictionary about the names of places (laughs) oh my god i mean he's already gets better and better talk about an interesting probably conversationalist i'm not interested anymore because like (laughs) you know i I like talking to people who are smarter and more interesting than me. But when the gap is too big, I stop paying attention. So now, like, what? I've gone from... I, Crystal, I can see you and Anatoly <laughs> sitting at a dinner table, you talking about your love of cryptids, him talking about his love of toponymics and cemeteries. And I, to me, it sounds like love. I don't know. True, I'm not so sure true, anymore. True 
Um, you know what I'm gonna get as a result of this? I'm gonna get some fucking weirdo. You are. This. You're a. I heard you liked <laughs> interesting people. In in listening to your episodes, I have pieced together where I believe you live, and I think that I am within close proximity. I would like to take you to dinner. <laughs> and that's when you. Someone's gonna quote me. I know it. <laughs> Um, oh my god. Unfortunately, all this hard work and just intensive note taking um and just sleeping out in the elements and just putting all of his heart and soul out there caused uh our friend to lose uh most of his hair. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say his marbles. No. Oh, that that leaves at some point, but uh yeah, his hair was first to go. And uh, <laughs> Oh gosh! His hair, so he needs his hair. He's out walking out there I in know. the summer. Well, his poor head. He's gonna have melanoma. He got he got some left on his temples apparently, but that would turn very noticeably gray upon return. Oh my god! Yeah, okay. all of this he was told was due to exhaustion and too much exertion. Uh-huh. Um, he probably also developed some kind of like carpal tunnel from all the writing. Oh, and then holding out your book and then sleeping in, in haystacks and piles of wood shavings. I mean. Man, I mean, I've got arthritis in two of my ribs. He's probably got it in every joint in his body. Oh, yeah. So, so you know what? Uh-huh. He's not walking because he wants to. He's walking because if he stops, he'll never get up again. <laughs> He's like a shark. If he stops swimming, he'll die. That's a thing, yeah. by the way. Okay. Yeah. All in all, at the end of his studies, um, Anatoly produced thousands upon thousands of pages of historical epitaphs, and also he was able to reprint 900 different poetic epitaphs collected throughout the region. And you know, when he gave like the, where the hell is he keeping all these journals? I He's not know. carrying them on his back. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just imagining guy is bringing like mystery. a literal truckload of yeah. journals to the guy who hired him. And he's like, yeah, um, can I get these in a word doc, please? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, some of his discoveries were published in a documentary series in in a newspaper that ran weekly in the city's newspaper titled Great Walks Around Cemeteries, What the Dead Said. Um, And in these publications, he wrote about some of the famous deceased citizens and their lives in some of the cemeteries that he visited. So he did get notoriety from this. um, Still. Well, yeah, everyone in the city sees the nut job walking around the cemeteries. Yeah. yeah. But I, I also think this was a great service that he did because I was one of those people from a young age. I enjoyed reading obituaries because I feel like uh, I feel like obituaries aren't read enough. <laughs> and if someone's going to take the time to write your obituary and post it in like a newspaper or something, I think a lot of people should read it. And I don't think people read obituaries enough. But maybe I just like to be sad. I don't know. I just learned something like <laughs> really new about you. Okay. Um, in 2011... He also started contributing to another publication called Necroologies, um, and this was like a magazine that ran monthly. He was an avid contributor to this. It was dedicated to 
cemeteries and obituaries. So right up my alley. You know, maybe me and Anatoly are meant to be together. You know what? You can have him. (laughs) In one of those. I think he's closer to your age anyway. Oh, ha ha ha. Whatever. Uh, In one of those articles, he actually wrote about the incident that I told you guys about in the beginning. The one in 1979. Remember? Oh, yeah. Okay. Except when he wrote about it this time, the story was dramatically different. He talks Mm -hmm. about how it was that incident that apparently sparked his obsession with the morbid and the macabre. How do you say macabre? Macabre. (laughs) Macabre. Uh, However, in this retelling, like I said, the story changed slightly. Um, In this version of the story, Anatoly said that he remembers a group of men in black suits who stopped him on the way home from school. And they basically made him go with them to the funeral that they were on the way to, which was for 11-year-old Natasha Petrova's funeral. So he wasn't in the cemetery already. He was no. just innocently walking he was home walking and they from school and they grabbed him to take him to Natasha's funeral. So they kidnapped him to take mm-hmm. him to a funeral. Yeah. Which makes less sense than him being in there already, but all right. Yeah. Yeah, they he says they dragged him along. They took him to her coffin where they forced her to kiss her corpse and then the girl's mother put a ring on his finger. And, they and were a ring on the dead daughter's finger, and they were married. He said that it was this strange incident that led to a belief in magic and the fascination with the dead. I don't understand how magic enters it. Like, but remember, he even, I mean, did, did she rise from her grave? No, and they do, were just married. Have their first dance before she laid back down? They were just married. He, he was, he felt like he was married to Natasha. And, uh, which, well, is, that's why he was still a virgin. Is a good deal for him. Yeah. There's not much he has to do after that. She's basically pretty lazy and just lays around the house. <laughs> Okay, this is not Carl and Maria Elena. Oh, it's about to be Carl. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're about to get all Carl up in here. Oh, okay, so now rewind a little bit to 2009. Um, it was during this time that people around Nizhnizgi Novgorod began to notice that some of their loved ones' graves were being messed with. Hmm. Well, yeah, there's a guy walking around all of them. Uh, no, he was done with his research by this point. Uh, some of them were even... Oh, so he's circling back on the ones that like struck his fancy in his first trip. Maybe. Some of them were even completely dug up and desecrated. At first, officials and locals a lot alike thought that some it was like some extremist groups that were behind this so uh they their response was to beef up security and police units and um they actually had their most experienced detectives who specialized in extremist crimes on the case and for two years the desecration continued and no one knew who it was or why it was happening Then in 2011, authorities got word that someone was desecrating graves in another region of Nizhgivni, Novgorod. And this time... The more times you say it, the worse your pronunciation gets. I know. You should just say the city. city. I think that's what I'm going to call it now. 
It's like I am I am a wine that does not get better with time. It just gets worse. <laughs> I am I'm just cheese that just gets old and moldy. Oh my God. Uh, this time it was Muslim graves and someone was actually going and painting over the pictures of the dead, but not damaging anything else. So when police went to investigate this and gather evidence, they coincidentally found Anatoly there, who was 45 years old at the time, just, you know, hanging out. <laughs> he was just, they're like, hey, we're here to invest. What? Who are, are you visiting someone? Nope. What's up? What are you doing here? just uh here what are you doing here? yeah exactly just uh hanging out they were like this is odd they ended up arresting him completely on suspicion um and i don't know how things work in russia but apparently just you can just arrest anyone just for whatever oh yeah police are corrupt as hell yeah. they bring you in yeah. for anything so they arrested him completely on suspicion they had him in custody and then they went to his apartment they're like hey dude where do you weirdo where do you live and he's like oh i live in such and such place with my parents and so that probably they were like you still live with your parents we got to go see this so uh they went to his apartment and mm -hmm. inside the small apartment which he shared with his poor parents Officers found a lot of dolls. <laughs> I feel like we need sound effects. Like officers found dun dun dun. I just a your lot tone was <laughs> dolls. There's a shit ton. Um, at first glance, these dolls actually looked antique. Now. I, I also want to say that when they entered the apartment, this apartment is definitely like a missed hoarders of Russia opportunity. Like, I don't know if they have that show there, but if they did, I feel like his home would definitely be a part of the series. Um, there was just stuff everywhere, like everywhere. There's actually the police footage of them searching the apartment online, which I'm going to show you after we're done here. And like, I, it's just, it's insane. Now in looking at the various dolls around the room, officers first noted that the dolls, they looked antique, but some of them kind of didn't. And some were dressed in fine clothing and others were just dressed in weird clothing and some had knee-high boots others had makeup on their faces and all of their hands they noticed on all of these dolls like the hands and the legs all the extremities were like covered by like fabric um like gloves or uh, like, like cheesecloth like cheesecloth like fabric but again, there were a lot of dolls. Now, when we're going to have pictures posted on our Instagram, but most of these dolls were like posed because, again, there's trash everywhere. So he it's not like he has one room dedicated to these dolls. They're like, like I have to show you the video, but they're posed like on stacks of books on top of shelves. Some are like laying on the couch. Um upon papers and books it's just it's weird and you know that if like his 
his mother wants to sit on the couch. He's like, don't touch the doll. Or he's probably like, you can sit next to Anna. Um, At one point, one of the officers moved one of the dolls and the dolls began to play music. And then they were starting to realize that anytime they moved any of the dolls, they made some sort of noise, whether it was music or like a little, you know, I want to say tinkling. I'm not sure why yeah, I'm, I'm saying I'm actually tinkling. in my head. I'm like hearing a music like the boxes. little bells. Yeah. The bells that go on like cat collars. Yes. Like that kind of like yeah. tinkling, I guess, is the yeah. only. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the search, they also found photographs and plaques that were taken off gravestones. So they're like, uh, I think we have our guy. Among the mess was also various manuals on how to make dolls and maps of local cemeteries. They also Okay, the maps of the cemeteries he already had. So yeah, he already had. They don't know this. But, but but they also found shoes in his apartment that matched the sh- that matched the shoe prints that were taken from various cemeteries that had been violated. So they were like, uh, we got our man. As they find more and more evidence to prove that he's their guy, they start to put something else together. So dolls, evidence, dolls, the smell, this weird guy, obsessed with cemeteries, more dolls, big dolls, pose dolls, weird faces, smell. They then were like, uh, I don't think these are dolls. And that's when they realized that they were the corpses of dead children that had been dug from their graves. That's really fucking creepy. Yes. I'm going to give everyone a minute to go vomit and then throw out any dolls that you have in your home currently. (laughs) Yeah. I think, can we all have a collective, like, what the actual fuck right now because i'm sure that's what the russian officers were doing too and i'm picturing like literally hundreds of dolls in this house Well, there's i mean there's not hundreds but i I think what i probably didn't properly describe is that these aren't just like tiny dolls these are like life-size toddler and up dolls yeah like the giant bear from Costco is cute and all, but when your dolls start getting that big, there's yeah. concern. There's, there's something wrong. Further investigation into these dolls revealed that Anatoly had opened some of the bodies to place music boxes or toys inside them so they would make noise when he moved them or touched them. Yeah, later they found that some of the corpses were still dressed in the clothing that they were buried in. So essentially, you put two and two together, he would dig them up, take them home, undress them, modify them for their liking, for his liking. And I'll tell you what that means in a second. Um, Some were also found with their own personal belongings placed inside them. So... One had a piece of her gravestone with her nickname, or not her nickname, with her name scrawled on it. And another still had her hospital tag with the date and cause of death. And another with the dried human heart still inside. So usually they remove all internal organs, but, you know. Um, In a police interview, 
uh, Anatoly admitted that he would stuff the decayed bodies with rags and he would also wrap tight nylon tights around their faces to hold the structure of their skin in place. (laughs) Sometimes he would cover the faces with actual doll faces if that didn't work. So if like one of his dolls face structure collapsed he would, he would use like a porcelain a doll. porcelain doll's face yeah Ooh. uh-huh sometimes he would use wax to preserve the fullness of the skin so melted wax that he would kind of mold over the skin and he would use wigs and nail polish to patch up and make the girls look more youthful as they were decaying in his living room He also admitted to placing buttons or toy eyes into the eye sockets so that they could watch cartoons with him. What? Yeah. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, did he have any sexual attraction to these dolls? Maybe you weren't thinking that, but I just placed that. I was not. I was... I'm still... I'm just really stuck on the attention to detail here. Uh, Yeah. Um... That none of this sounds sexual to me. It, this and you know what? Like... It's not. He denied any sexual attraction to the dolls. He said he considered each doll his own child. Yeah, he, I kind of saw that. He also celebrated the birthdays of each of his dolls because he knew. Well, he's got them all written down. Exactly. So he And would... these are his children. You don't just not celebrate your child's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, most of the dolls, as you kind of noticed, were girls, um, and that's really mostly what he had. I I read one report that he did have a male doll in there, but they were just mostly girls. And because he, when they asked him why, he said, because I just loved the girls the most. He did, though, say that he, <laughs> this is, he put a few in his garage that, and those were some dolls that he had grown to dislike which is really sad and it reminds me of this song my mom used to sing me and this probably can tell you a lot about me and where everything went terribly wrong but my mom would sing me this song in Spanish and it's called La Pobre Muñeca Fea and it literally tra- I know Muñeca that's doll. yeah it literally translates to the poor ugly little doll okay <laughs> and and basically <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I'm telling you, the lyrics go like this: Doll hidden away in the corner. Only rats would talk to her. Her face is oh covered God. in dust. She felt lonely and would just cry and cry. Okay. Oh my God. And just to give you a small little snippet, this is how the tune goes. I'm actually looking for it because. Yeah, uh, my mom would sing that to me, knowing I would cry every time she sang that to me. And this usually happened at night before I went to bed. Okay, <laughs> my mom's probably listening to this and going, "She remembers it wrong," but I don't, mommy. I know you sang this to me. Um, yeah, la pobre muñeca fea. Yeah, it's really sad. Oh, what? What did you say? Yes, that was the voice of an angel you just heard. Anyway, uh, are you looking up this song? She talked with the mice, Yeah, the poor ugly doll. Yeah, you try not to cry when you hear that song. It's awful. Anyways, Anatoly later said that he only chose to 
dig up the graves of the little girls because he was lonely. And one of his biggest dreams was to have children, apparently, which uh, you have to not be a virgin to do that, but whatever. Let's pretend he didn't know. Uh, He said that he had actually tried, but Russian adoption agencies wouldn't let him adopt because he didn't make that much money. I think if he had an actual child to care for, he probably would not have done this. Yeah. Like, he very obviously just wanted something to take care of. I don't know. I don't know. Now, when they asked why, which I am sure they asked him repeatedly, Anatoly just said he was waiting for science to find a way to bring the dead back to life. He cited his expertise in Celtic culture, um, noting that the ancient Druids slept on graves in order to communicate with the spirits of their dead. Uh, So he said that when he started studying grave sites and looking up obituaries, he was really drawn to the obituaries of young children, especially young girls, because he felt like they spoke to him. And so he would go visit the graves of recently deceased young girls and sleep on top of them because that's totally normal. And he did that because he was waiting to see if they would communicate with them, if the spirit of the little girl would communicate with him and basically ask him to bring them back to life. Now, apparently he had been practicing this for years. Um, He said that he never dug up a grave without the permission of the child within, which, okay. Um, He said as he got older, it was harder on his body to sleep on the graves. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, So that was when he was like, I'm going to dig them up and bring them home and sleep near them. (laughs) That's because this body this body ain't made for the ground little children let's let's take you on home so you can sleep on a pile of papers in my parents house um insomnia is serious okay Uh, and if that's the only thing that brings him relief i would thank you not to judge (laughs) oh those of us with sleep ailments Got to stand up for each other, okay? Yeah, I have, I I judge just everyone all the time, so that's impossible for me. <laughs> he also hoped that the spirits would be more willing to speak now that their bodies were no longer underground. And he also was like, maybe I'll hear them better, too. <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. This I mean, this is really kind of disturbing, but I kind of feel for him a little bit. Really sad. Yeah. Now, as far as how and I know none of you asked, (laughs) but (laughs) he would dig up the bodies at night. And using his mummification tips that he researched, because he's very diligent and smart, he uh, would dry the corpses using a combination of salt and baking soda. So he would bring a whole bunch of salt and baking soda to the cemetery, dig up a corpse. He would find a dry place to stash them in the cemetery out of sight. And then once they dried. He cured them. Yes. Like jerky. Yeah. And then he carried them home. And then he used various methods to make them more into realistic looking dolls that he could find a way to bring back to life. Now, Uh so as for his parents, they apparently had no idea that the dolls their weirdo son was collecting was actually the corpses 
of little girl, of little children. At the time, his 76-year-old mother, Elvira, said, we thought it was his hobby to make such big dolls and did not see anything wrong with it. To that I say, uh, nope. They're like the most supportive parents ever. It would be like, like you, you've got a strange hobby with these, but you know what? If you're happy with it. Yeah. In the end, 29 life-size dolls were collected from the apartment. Oh, geez. Their ages ranged from three to 12 years old. Oh. One corpse he had in his possession for nine years. Nine years. Yes. Now, I want to take note because I want to give him a little credit. After a more thorough investigation after he was arrested, it was determined that only 26 of the 29 collected dolls were actually corpses. So... 26 is still too many. Yes. It was also determined that he had dug up 150 graves before he was a fine he was finally arrested. So what he Oh, so he ref- he held himself back. Yeah. And he only d- took 26 home with exactly. him. Exactly. When he could have took 150, which good job, friend. Like no. way to hold back. Now, later he would try to explain this completely insane behavior as him just trying to keep the girls warm after the families had left them there cold and alone. So uh, they were laid to rest because they were dead. Yes. While most of the corpses were taken from cemeteries in his local region, there were also some taken from Moscow as well. And they still were trying to figure out how he was able to do that. Because he didn't have a car, right? Nope. (laughs) Now, of course, the Russian media went crazy on this story, and they dubbed him the Lord of the Mummies and the Perfumer. Now, they the name the Perfumer they took um, as a play on Patrick Suskin's novel Perfume, and I looked it up, and that is a definite weird story. It is it's about this little boy who is born with this insane sense of smell and he mm-hmm. is so good that he is able to like smell something and then like work with oils and other things to recreate the smell. And so in the book, he's able to re he works with a perfumer and he's able to recreate like the smell, like capture the smell of brass and like, you know, all these like different scents. Um, and then he becomes obsessed with trying <laughs> to capture the smell of a virgin. What? And then the book just gets all dark and twisty. So uh, I don't know. You might want to read it. Um, Now, neighbors surrounding Anatoly's parents who lived like nearby, they were shocked. While they admitted that Anatoly was a little odd and on the quiet side, um, they said his parents, yeah, his parents were sure nice. And so what if the putrid smell that always wafted out of their apartment when the door opened? <laughs> like, like it's okay, right? And uh, you know, old people have a sense, yeah, okay? Yeah, and they weren't the cleanest people. One neighbor even said it was like the typical smell of something that rots in the basement of all buildings 
I love how these neighbors in Russia are obviously trying to normalize the smell of rot. Like, just like, like they're like, it's normal. Okay. This is normal. Okay. Would you rather have a mystery smell that you can't pin down I, I don't. That, and you can't get rid of? Or would you rather have a horrible smell that you can't get rid of, but you know what's causing it? I, I don't know. I don't know. I smells. I can't. Smells are like, I'm very sensitive to smell. I hold my breath anytime someone walks by me because I am afraid of their backdraft. <laughs> Put that down as number 152 of what you did not need to know about me. <laughs> now, his editor at Necroologies uh, was asked about, after the fact about Anatoly and if he ever thought that there was just something off about him. And he said that he took his fascination and somewhat sensual interest in the deceased young women sensual. yeah, as a romantic trait. Yeah. Yeah, that that's how I'd describe it, a romantic trait. And mainly he thought that Anatoly was quirky and a talented writer, but certainly not the dig up your child corpses and keep them as dolls in the house. <laughs> you know what's got me through all of this uh, is how like everyone that they're interviewing still has overwhelmingly good things yeah, to say about yeah. him. They're like, oh, yeah, he was weird. Didn't think he would do that. But man, he's a great writer. Yeah. Um, Anatoly was charged under Article 244 of the Criminal Code for the desecration of graves and dead bodies. And that charge only carries a term of up to five years in prison. Now, in the end, he confessed to 44 counts of abusing graves and dead bodies. He actually told the families affected by this hobby in court that you abandoned your girls. I brought them home and warmed them up. Man, he really just thought he was doing a good thing. I think he did. Um, now, obviously, some psychological evaluations were ordered pretty quick, right? Yes. Uh, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, although okay. I still stand by the fact that he is also on the spectrum. Like, you know, he given has his to. obsession, yeah. like a very, the very singular obsession, yeah. it would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, because of this diagnosis, he was deemed unfit to stand trial on May 25th, 2012. And in Russia, this releases you from any criminal liability. So mm -hmm. he was then sentenced to coercive medical measures and admitted to a psychiatric hospital upon which his stay was to be reviewed regularly to determine uh, release or competency. Now, once he was sent away, many of his publishers and academic colleagues kind of distanced themselves away from him and his work, which obviously um, his poor parents, they had to go into hiding because they were essentially ostracized from their community. Oh, and sad. it is sad. And this is going to be even more sad because at one point, Anatoly's mother begged her husband to commit a double suicide together. <sighs> Yeah, she like begged him every day, but the husband would just oh. not agree to it. She's like, let's just kill ourselves. Let's just, which no. I, I, I kind of, because at some point I would. I'm sure it's like the shame. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, now, every time he had a review at the psychiatric hospital, those first three years, it ended in continued extension of his treatment. Um, they mm -hmm. stated that it is absolutely clear that Anatoly is 
not mentally fit for trial because you could review and if they're like, yeah, now he's mentally fit for trial, they could have tried And then him. he could go on trial yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. But we kind of touched on that in my Russian cannibals yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, so, but they're like, no, he is not fit. He's going to be kept and we're going to continue psychiatric treatment. But then in September of 2018, I don't know what doctors said this, but some doctor was like, oh, I don't think he's he's dangerous anymore and helped petition for his release to outpatient care from his home. Hmm. Yeah. Now, once the families of the victimized corpses found out that he might be let out, they obviously had something to say about it. And um, one mother of Anatoly's first victims, the first corpse that he kept, uh, said to the press, and I quote, this creature brought terror and panic into my life. I shudder to think that he will have the freedom to go where he wants. Neither my family nor the other families of the other victims will be able to sleep peacefully. He needs to be kept under surveillance. I insist on a life sentence only under medical supervision without the right of free movement, which, yeah, like, I don't think he should be let out either. There's obviously, this is a different level of crazy. Well, what, what if he's like given a mouse or something like that guy in the green mile? Mm. No, because I read even in one article that he told the police, don't bother reburying these 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 <gasps> girls because once I get out, I'm going to find them and dig them back up. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 Um, it, let's let's keep him inside. Yeah, let's keep him inside. And so fortunately, people in Russia really do their job because another psychiatric evaluation was ordered right after that doctor said that. And mm -hmm. that doctor was like, no, it's a little too early to release him um, from the hospital. So they withdrew their permission. OK, so or their petition. So fast forward to December 2021. Um, oh. Anatoly is now 55 and he this time petitioned the court to be free from his psychiatric clinic. His lawyer said that Anatoly wished to move to Moscow because he has a girlfriend. Okay. How you might what ask. What cemetery is she in? No, she's actually like warm bodied. Uh, For now. This girl struck up a friendship with him when she started writing to him because she was also a student of languages herself. Okay. And probably there's. I, I literally forgot that he was. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That he knew all those because of all the other yeah. nut job stuff. Yeah. So. so this chick was like, oh, wow, he sounds interesting. Let me let me write to him. Um, his lawyers said that, you know, he's had decades of treatment. He's well enough to be in outpatient treatment. Like, let's try it. Uh, now, in addition to his plans to marry his sane girlfriend, obviously. He also said, yeah, I want to marry my girlfriend, but I'm also planning on writing a book and getting a job as a language teacher. Okay. Yeah, but thankfully his bid was denied. So okay. as of right now, he is currently still held in his psychiatric ward, and he probably is playing with Matryoshka doll. I don't know. I wonder what kind of therapy they do with him. Like, do they give him like 
I wonder if they give him, you know, in like some home ec classes, they give you that fake baby you have to take care of. What I if they just give him one of those? Highly doubt they do that. Well, he needs. Well, maybe let's start him with like a plant. And when when he can take care of the plant like a normal person, we'll give him like a goldfish. Uh, yeah. He I, hasn't graduated to a goldfish yet. He's still working on a plant. I think he just needs to like, uh, I think he just needs to stay in there and just, just stay in there. So that's, uh, that's the story about our friend Anatoly. What kind of job do you think they give him that he would enjoy? Like of all the prison jobs, you know. Well, he really he's really into research. Maybe he like he helps other inmates maybe. with like their petitions. I don't know. I feel like his mind isn't growing in there though. Like poor guy, he probably just studies, asks for books, American Girl dolls. I don't know. American Girl. <laughs> I mean, I I actually I feel really bad for him because this is. It's not like he was trying to torture anyone by doing this. He really legitimately thinks that he was caring for these girls. Yeah. Um, which is impressive because, you know, one baby's a lot and he had 26. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. I, I think I'll find a nice normal person. <laughs> Good luck. You know what I did today? Uh. I listened recently to last podcast on the left did a three part series about Bonnie and Clyde and um, I fell into a rabbit hole looking up uh, depression era gangs and criminals. Oh, so really? I added about 10 of them to our idea list. Mm, that's interesting. I'm excited yeah, so for I might, that. I might do a couple of those like the classic like gangsters like Rat Pack style like dressed in nice clothes and bank robbers and a lot of love stories. I think I, I, I'll maybe I'll do a love story for you. Oh, I would love to hear your love story. <laughs> also, I believe uh, starting soon, maybe this episode, maybe next episode, um, you'll be able to hear a promo for our listeners. We'll be able to hear a promo for. Um, a podcast that I guess if they like us, I think they'll like these guys. I I identify with them. Oh, good. They feel very similar to me. Oh, nice. Also, I've been listening to Generation Y a lot recently, mm -hmm. and I think that it would be fun if anyone like maybe I'll try emailing them. They seem like nice, approachable guys. I feel like Justin and Aaron speak in the same cadence that I do. Oh, like as I've listened to them, I'm like. Man, they they speak the same way I do. They pause the same way I do. I just think, like, it, it would be fun to do an episode with them on something. Um, What about me? Who, what, who speaks the same cadence that I, no one does? I don't know if anyone speaks the same way you do. <laughs> you are chaos. Somewhere out there. Oh my god. Uh, all right. Oh, you know what? We'll see you next yeah. week, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>
friend. Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cults, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. We're bringing the most intense stories that'll keep you up at night. He was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and felonious assault, but he was only sentenced to five months of probation. And this could be the last time that anyone ever saw him. Uh, there are allegedly two women who also drowned in a first-class pool. Was this the same glowing green that they'd seen in the darkness the night before? He had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of stains on it, which were most likely blood. Join us every Tuesday for a glass of wine or sangria and a dose of true crime. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted, Twisted and, and Uncorked. Gosh, I, how many times did I say um this? Okay, forget about it. Let's move on. Um, ah! <laughs>